go-to podcast for uni students or speechies who know a little about a lot, giving you handy tips and tricks to survive in the real world, the stuff that no one prepares you for. Hi guys and welcome back to Diary of a New Grad Speechy. We are your hosts, Early Career Speech Pathologists. My name is Ash and as always I'm joined by Cass. Hi guys. Today on the podcast, we chat to fourth year speechy students, Josie and Ellen. Now, these girls were winners of our Instagram competition a few months ago. Josie and Ellen ask us questions about our new grad experiences, how to avoid burnout, any top PD recommendations, and other important tips that new grads should be aware of. Josie and Ellen were such a pleasure to have on the podcast, and we really enjoyed this one, so we hope you do too. Let's bring them in. Welcome, Josie and Ellen. Hi. 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 Thanks for joining us. We're so excited to be talking with you today and can't wait to answer some of your questions. Yes, thanks for having us. We're very excited to be here. We're excited to be talking to you as well. Before we get started, we want to know a little bit more about you both. So you're studying speech at uni. We want to know where you're studying and what year you're in. So I am studying at the University of Newcastle, where we both are, and we're both in our fourth year of study, so we're finishing up in like two weeks, which is super exciting. We only have a couple of assessments left, so we're sort of counting down now, which is really exciting, Um, but I'm very passionate about rural health and interested to sort of get back to a rural area where I'm from. Um, So really exciting and looking forward to graduation. That's so exciting. And I bet you can almost see, you know, the end in sight, but it probably feels like you've got a long way to go still. Definitely. (laughs) So have you both been looking for jobs in that type of stuff? Um, We kind of just were very lucky and we did a few rural placements this year and we did one together as well, which was, which was pretty cool. And just built some really good networks and we kind of didn't have to apply for too many jobs and we're very lucky we got into a private practice in Armadale which we're starting next year. Cool. Are you guys going to be working together like little work wives? Yeah, yeah we will. <laughs> oh, that's, that's so cute. good. So did you do the placement at that private practice? No, we didn't. It was just a connection through um, one of the clinical educators we had on our placement. So we both still applied for a few other jobs, but we were very grateful and lucky to have a couple of options. And so early, I think I wasn't expecting to have something this early on. And I think that's something that everyone else in our year group has been saying as well. There's a lot more people securing jobs a fair bit earlier, which is kind of nice to have that security. Absolutely. Yeah. And it takes a lot of the pressure off you, especially like for graduation, you know, you're just stepping into something. Did you say it was a paediatric role? Um, It's a generalist role. So we're going to see a bit of everything by the sounds of it, which is ideal because I don't know about you, Josie, but I still don't really know where I want to like focus or anything. So it'd be nice to see kind of everything. Yeah, definitely. I think I very much was focused on paediatrics, but since doing more adult-based stuff and on placement, I'm loving 
working with adults and I'm wanting to explore that a little bit more. So I'm excited for this role that it is a mixed caseload and being able to see both sort of adults and peds and everything in between. Yeah, for sure. Because Cassie and I, our first role was a generalist role and we really got to see what area we liked and what area we did not like. So it's definitely good. And I think we recommended in one of our earlier podcasts to have a generalist role out of uni so you can get that experience. So that's so exciting for you both. So you guys may have remembered that we put a competition up on our Instagram for a third or fourth year speechy student to come onto our podcast. So Ellen and Josie have been lucky enough to win this competition and today they are going to be interviewing us and asking us some questions about the speechy life. So take it away guys. Um, what is your first question? We have so many questions for you but our first one is what do you wish you knew prior to starting your first job? I wish I knew that it's okay not to know everything and it's also okay to make mistakes, especially in sessions because I would get a lot of anxiety thinking, oh, my goodness, I literally have no idea. Well, I did have an idea, but I didn't know everything and that really stressed me out. Another thing that I wish I knew was just to ask as many questions as you can literally about everything, you know. So it can be about just work-related or speech-related or... I don't know, just anything, just because if you don't know, you need to, how else are you going to find out if you don't ask questions? Yeah, I 100% agree with that as well, Ash. And I think for me, one of the tips that I would give is don't always take the first job you can get, look around and see what else is out there to make sure it's the right fit for you. And that's something that I really wish I did. And the second thing is probably also always negotiating a salary before just taking what's given. I think as a new grad, you can be quite timid and shy to ask for those things, but that's definitely something I wish I did when I first started. No, that's all really good, helpful information. Like, again, especially with the not feeling like you know enough to kind of run your own sessions and it'll be really good to know that, you know, you can, you know, make mistakes every now and then and it's okay. Yeah, and do you know what? Parents don't know if you make a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) They literally, yeah, they're just like, oh, yeah, okay, that's awesome. And literally just do whatever you tell them to do. I think as well, I love hearing, like, ask questions because that's one of the things that I'm always sort of like, oh, I feel like I should know this and I don't know whether it is an appropriate question to ask or not. And I think on placement this year, I was starting to do that a lot more. Um, So that's something I'll definitely be taking on board. So thank you. What's your next question? So how should we be preparing to start our first job? I would definitely get familiar with the company's management system. So, for example, how they write their notes or what their booking system might be, because I think that would take a huge load off you when you first start. So I would definitely try and ask your boss or manager for access to this maybe a few weeks before you start and get familiar with the system and then some of the clients that you'll be seeing. Um, because especially when you're starting a new job, it's you've got a lot on your plate and then you're trying to navigate the system that they use and it can be quite overwhelming. Yeah, we um, are very lucky that we're going up soon to kind of observe for a week. So this is perfect timing. We'll take everything on board <laughs> and ask all these questions. <laughs> That's cool that you get to observe 
for a week. I don't think many um, practices do that. So that's really awesome. Another thing that I would suggest, and especially for when you're doing this week observing, is just try to think of a few key resources that you can refer to and kind of have a resource bag for a go-to quick resource if you're stuck. Um, I know it's very helpful now with Instagram and everyone sharing all their resources, but I reckon putting a resource bag together early would definitely help. That's very useful tip, I think. <laughs> Something I might be doing um, over the next couple of months before starting. So our next question for you is, what are your time management skills like and do you have any tips for us newbies? I would say that my time management skills are reasonable. At uni, my time management skills were shocking and I'm happy to admit that. And maybe because if I didn't do something, I was only letting myself down. But then I found when I started working, they really improved because I didn't want to let any of my clients down or like the people I work with. But you really need to work out, I guess, what works for you. So what I found is, do you prefer chunks of admin time or are you able to have clients spread out throughout the day? And then you can easily manage having a session and then doing admin, having a session, doing admin. For me personally, I have to have chunks of admin time and chunks of clients time because I really struggle to go into clinic brain and doing sessions and then quickly going and writing a report. I just can't do that. Um, another thing that I had to work out was if I better work in the morning or afternoons. So for me, I work better in the morning. So I have all my clients in the morning, try to anyway. And then I have a big chunk of admin time around lunchtime, afternoon, and then a few in the afternoon. So that really works for me. So I think once you get into your role and you can kind of work out where your clients go, and having chunks of admin time or if you are fine like going back and forth I think that's where your time management skills come in a little bit better yeah I also agree with that Ash and I think you need to figure out as Ash said how you manage your time best because I can say mine aren't that good um, and I work best when I'm busy because I know I've only got a short amount of time to do something so in saying that a little tip would be I would definitely negotiate that with your employer um, in allowing you to get those things done and I know that as a new grad, you can feel like you have to be on top of everything and you're always taking stuff home, which isn't how it should be. So definitely make sure you allocate yourself enough time and a reasonable time to get things done. So for example, if you think a report is going to take you two hours, be okay with that because you're still learning. Like don't feel like you have to get your notes done in five minutes like the other speeches. So definitely be open and honest about how long things are taking you and how much time you think you might need to do something. And then always block that out in your calendar to sort of keep you accountable as well for, for doing it. So that would probably be my little tip for that. I think at uni, I definitely tend to work better when I'm under the pump and I sometimes leave things for the last minute. So that was definitely something that I wanted to ask about to see how you both manage that. So yeah, that's great. Thank you. I think sometimes it's also the nature of our um, degrees as well, because it's so, there's lots of pressure and there's always an assignment due or always an exam to do. So you just like naturally work best under pressure. Maybe that's just us, <laughs> the way we learn. But I think definitely the type of degree that we had and the jobs we're going into is such a high-pressure environment. Yeah, look, I just liked my social life. So I would always choose a social life over doing my assignment and then it would get to the night before and I'd have to do an all-nighter. <laughs> 
I think we've all been there at some point or another. <laughs> yeah. I, um, yeah. Very much the same. <laughs> at least we can all relate. So yeah, but it does, you don't want to let your clients down. So you do find a way that works for you. So this one kind of flows on in a way from the last one, but how are your first few months working as a new guy's Fiji? And do you have any tips on how to get through it? Yeah. So I think Cass and I can both say that it was tough and stressful just because as you're first starting, you know, it can be nervous seeing clients. And as we said before, running a session on your own without a CE there, because on placement, if you didn't know the question, your CE would just jump in and say it to the parents. So I felt that was really stressful that, oh, if I don't know a question, what do I even say? But however, I found it really helpful to plan for sessions early. So I'm saying like a week earlier. So that means that I could have time over the week to think about what I was going to do. So then if I was missing anything or should I be doing anything different? So then on the day I didn't feel stressed or that I didn't know what to do because I definitely had that week of thinking about it. Does that make sense? When you are planning for a session, I know at uni and on placements, like they really kind of push for like a full on, you know, session plan. Um, not so much in fourth year that I found, but when you were planning for your sessions, was it just like a couple notes that you wrote down or did you fully plan on like what you're going to do? I, it was just dot points. And then I would dot point like scaffold up or down just because I didn't have that way of thinking quickly in the session yet. But yeah, it's definitely not as full on as uni. That was literally ridiculous. You don't have to add in your reasoning into your into your (laughs) plan. But yeah, definitely just dot points what you're gonna do. I still I still do dot points now. That's good to know. Yeah. So I also agree with Ash in that my first few months as a new grab was really stressful. And you always feel like you have to be perfect at everything and you don't really give yourself a chance to learn from others and really take it all in. And I feel like you're never going to get that time again as a new grad where it's kind of okay to sit in on someone else's session and it's okay to ask lots of questions and not really know what you're doing. So my tip would be definitely take the time to learn from others, sit in on sessions where you can take notes, ask for resources and ideas Because, yeah, as I said, you're kind of never going to really be in that position again. So make the most of it and allow yourself the time to take it all in. That's great. I think we're getting lots of great tips to think about. I'm jotting down so many things. Um, Our next question sort of stems from what we've already been speaking about. But should we be mindful of burnout as a new grad? And how can we best look after ourselves to reduce this? Absolutely. I think we've said this heaps of times throughout our episodes, and but you need to learn how to say no. It's depending on your workplace, of course, but if you don't speak up for yourself, then your workplace is just going to assume that you can handle the workload and they're just going to keep giving and giving and giving and giving. And then your stress levels are just going to keep going up, 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 up. And then that's where you're more likely to, you know, have that burnout. So definitely learn early when to say no. Yeah, I agree with that. And definitely just, you know, do your self-care and take time out for yourself and know that it is okay if you are feeling overwhelmed at first. Um, But definitely there is a line between feeling overwhelmed and feeling burnout and you definitely don't want to get over that line. So just recognizing those signs early and just speaking up if you're feeling overwhelmed because then that's when it just leads to burnout. Um, But it's, it's extremely common. So as long as you know when to 
um, take care of yourself. Another one, don't do any work on the weekends. Mm. Don't take it home. Or at yeah. night time as well. <laughs> or at night time. Because, you know, if obviously within reason, if you've literally had four hours chunk of admin time and you're not getting stuff done, then maybe you need to think about what you're doing. But if you're really busy and you don't and you can't get it done within the hours of work, then maybe that's a good sign that you're doing too much. We used to do work on the weekends and it was just literally a joke. So try, learn from our mistakes and do not do it. Weekends are for yourself. Yeah. Everyone always says that, you know, try not to take work home, but it just seems like such a hard thing to be able to achieve early on. It's definitely something that we'll have to work for. Yeah. I guess just keep it in mind and, you know, maybe when you're first starting out, you might have to, but try once you're in the role and you're getting used to the system and that type of stuff to stop doing that. Um, so what is the best way to keep up with the latest EBP? Good question. I have access to the International Journal of Speech Language Pathology that I get through my SPA membership. And I get that in the mail in a hard copy every like few months, I think (laughs) just kind of comes. Um, And I really like that because it's got a whole bunch of different uh, journal articles in there. So ranging from adults to peds and everything in between. So I really like using that to keep up with um, just the latest evidence. And also when you do certain professional development courses, like for example, Hannon, or if you do something like LSVT, you become like a member of their page and you also have some access to their research as well and information on their website, which is also really nice to refer to. Yeah, being a member of the sites, they always have new articles coming out about that, so that's nice. So what are some of the best professional development opportunities to keep an eye out for? Well, I guess it all depends on what area you're most interested in. Though there's all the big ones like the Hannon, um, it takes two or more than words, depending on which population you think you might want to work with the most. I've done it takes two to talk. And yes, you can do, you know, all those language facilitation strategies without doing the Hannon program, but it's just nice to actually know how they explain it. And I felt like after doing the Hannon, my interaction with children were a lot better as well. And I could really educate the parents more. There's also literacy ones. I've done Sounds Right and it's a really awesome program. um, And it literally has the lesson plans that you don't have to think about literacy uh there's speech ones like prompt that's a really great pd to get your mindset into looking at speech differently you're not looking at the sounds you're looking at the movement so i found that really awesome you could do ones for aac if you're going to be working with that population so i think pecs is a really nice starting point for aac because it really teaches you on the initiation of interaction and that kind of process for a child that has no verbal language. I would also say if you're going into adults, again, depending on the area you're working with, LSVT is really good. I've done that training. Um, Again, it just gives you like a really great overview into like medical conditions and how you can use the LSVT strategies with various populations. And I would also recommend the SOS training if you can. That one can be quite expensive. And obviously it's quite niche because it's feeding. However, it's really good to have that knowledge behind you and also looks really good on your resume as well. SPA also have like a heap of random PD events. 
So they're pretty good. They're very specific. So of just like increasing your knowledge about something. So we did an autism one and that was really great. Um, so I would say recommend keeping an eye out for the spa events as well. They're not specific in you're going to be trained to do a certain therapy approach, but it's just good to increase your knowledge about things. Yeah, that sounds great. I think that's definitely what I'll be looking into a little bit to just keep expanding that. I think something that you guys have all the time and say all the time is know a little about a lot. (laughs) And at the moment, I don't even know if I know a little (laughs) about a lot. You'll be surprised about what you know when you start working. Whatever your brain is stored, it'll come out and you'll be like, oh, I forgot about that. But I think when you first get started and you get your caseload, maybe have a think about what PD is going to help support you the most. Because, you know, if you have a pediatric caseload, you're not going to do LSVT, you know, that's, I guess, a given. But really just think about how you can get the most out of the PD. Yeah, definitely. And that's also going to really support you where you're working in probably going to that PD event, because if you can say to your boss, I want to do this because my caseload comprises of, you know, 80% apraxia, then of course they're going to send you to something like prompt because it's going to benefit your caseload. So yeah, just really thinking about what's going to give you the most out of it and how you can apply it. Um, Similar to professional development, but very specific to new grads, How can we get the most out of our supervision time? Yeah, really, really good question because as a new grad, you're probably going to get the most supervision you'll ever get. So my recommendations would be ask anything and everything. Even if you think you can figure something out on your own, that's really good, but definitely still ask to make sure that you're on the right track. Another thing I'd recommend is probably ask questions where you can apply it to multiple clients and not just have one specific case if that makes sense, because if you have like one specific case, then the questions you're asking is only going to be applicable to that client. So I would ask something a little bit more broad that you can apply to a couple of clients with the same presentation. Another tip that I would give, and this works for me and it's probably a given, but I never used to write my questions down. So throughout the week or the fortnight, I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm going to ask that in mentoring. And then I never did because I'd just forget it. But now if I have like a document and it's just called like um, mentoring questions and if I'm in a session, I'm like, Oh, I need to ask that. I'll quickly jump on and write it down. So then when I go to my mentoring time, I have all the questions and I can pick and choose, which is the most important at that time. Yeah, definitely. I think I'll adopt the strategy to write some questions down and keep that as an ongoing sort of list. And I only started doing that is because one of the new grads that I work with, she has this big diary. And every time we have mentoring or like a peer support group, she pulls out her diary and she's got all her questions. And I was like, that is literally the best idea. So I adapted it from her. And do you know what? I always got a question to ask. (laughs) Yeah, I think I'll be trying to. So if you could go back to your student speechy self, what would you do differently? So on placement or collecting resources or lecture materials, that sort of thing. One thing that I would probably do differently is try not to print out all of the lecture slides and tutorial materials um, because in reality you don't really need all of that paper in your life. And when you go on placement, you figure out that you only really need to know like sort of the key functional and applicable areas Uni teaches you quite a lot of information. You feel like you have to know it. And I wish I knew that I didn't have to stress about knowing everything. 
The other thing would be trying to get more of a therapy assistant role and a little bit more experience with that area. And I also wish I did some more volunteering across a number of service models. So a health setting or a community clinic or maybe a nursing home or something. So you're getting experience in a couple of different areas. A lot of students now are getting more of the therapy assistant jobs and that type of stuff reaching out because there's the capacity for it now with things like the NDIS. But it's something that I really, really wish that I did. Another thing that I wish I did differently was just speak up when I didn't know something and I guess ask for more examples of resources and materials or like demonstrations of therapy approaches. Because even now I still like go on YouTube and say, oh, you know, therapy approach of this to watch. And it's always, I don't know if you have noticed this, but it's always videos of students from states. Yeah, I think when I've searched before, it is. Yeah, you know, that's great. But then I sometimes wish that I would have seen like my lecturers doing the approach because I feel like that's a little bit more applicable. Well, just for my brain anyway and how it works, I felt like that was more applicable to watch them. And a lot of my lecturers were working in private practice and they were doing, you know, half private practice, half lecturing. And I wish that I would have asked them to record themselves potentially so I could see that because, yeah, I didn't get a lot of experience in actually watching a session. I think that'll be a thing for me because I haven't done like an AHA role or anything like that throughout uni. So I think I'm just a bit kind of nervous at the same time about just like the actual running of a session when you're in charge. Like you run plenty of sessions on placement, but actually being the one who's, you know, running the whole thing. Yeah. And do you know what helps as well? Having session plans, you know, we say it's for the child so they know what's coming, but it's actually helpful for you because you know what's going to come next. (laughs) And I think observing sessions from a number of different clinicians as a student and even as a new grad is always nice because you can see how different people approach one activity. So for example, five people might work on the F sound in five different ways. Yeah, I think it's kind of exciting to be able to mould our sessions a bit more like our style because I think definitely on some placements it's sort of our clinical educators, it's like this is how this has to be done and so sometimes there's not a lot of freedom to do that. So I'm, yeah, excited to be able to do that a little bit more but that's a great tip to, I suppose, see more sessions run differently um, to then see what might work best for us. Yeah, definitely. So we have one more question. What are your top three tips for new grads about to start a mixed caseload role in a rural town? I think my tips would be definitely be open to the opportunity and don't give yourself a time frame. So for example, you, you know, don't say, oh, I'm going to do two years here and then I'm going to do something else because I feel like that creates high expectations. And then there's that room to maybe let yourself down. Or if you're not liking it and you're feeling burnout, you've already said to yourself, oh, I already told myself I was going to be here for two years and I'm not liking it or it's not what I expected. So I think just sort of like reducing your expectations and being open to any opportunities. Another one that I would suggest is just to make sure you have access to appropriate mentoring and that is also frequent. I'm not too sure about the role that you're going in, but I think that you would have good, great mentoring. But, you know, if you're going to a rural organisation and, you know, there's only a few speeches or you're the only speechy, you just really need to make sure that you do have the right support. 
Another one is, you know, you're moving away from home and that type of stuff. So I would always be looking for that it's a big team and you're not just going to be working by yourself or never seeing any of the people that you work with. You know, if you're on a different location and they're always there because it's a new area and there's not your family and friends around, you want to make sure that, you know, you're actually uh, around people to socialize and it's not just always working your clients. One of the other things that I would recommend is definitely trying to link in with the spa community and seeing if you can be a representative for the catchment area that you're working in. And what that does is it just links you in with some of the other people who are representatives for other communities. So there might be some for like far North Queensland or central Queensland or New South Wales. And everybody sort of has like phone calls every now and again, and they always have events on that you can try to attend. And it's a really good way to meet other people and also network with people across Australia as well. So I would probably recommend trying to get into that. Yeah, that's a great tip. We've both been lucky to have a little bit of involvement with SPA through uni, but I still feel like they offer so many things that I don't know enough about. So that's a great tip. Thank you. Because I think going to a rural location can sometimes be isolating. So having a connection to other species who may not be in the same town as you, but are close by will be really helpful. Yeah, it is definitely. So that concludes the end of the interview. Thank you so much, Josie and Ellen, for coming on and chatting to us today. We really appreciate all of your questions and hope that you guys and other students can take some of that information away. Thanks so much. It's been great joining you today. Thank you. Good luck with your new role as well. I'm so excited for you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Diary of a New Grad Speechy with your hosts, Cass and Ash. If you like what we have to say, please give us a follow on Instagram at Diary of a New Grad Speechy. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and leave a review below. Thanks so much and see you all next week. Bye. Bye.